This is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. In this episode, I'd like to talk to you about what's all this stuff about the invasion of the grasshoppers in Las Vegas, cicada wasps and what to do about them, and a fruit salad tree. Are they any good? This and other topics in today's Desert Horticulture. Las Vegas made the national news, not for what you might think, but because we've got a ton of grasshoppers in town. And these grasshoppers have been flying at uh, tourists, and so whenever that happens, when you have 40 million tourists a year, and some of them get swarmed with these grasshoppers, it makes the news, especially on a slow news day. So uh, we made it, and uh, they're not locusts, they're grasshoppers. The difference in locusts are, are social grasshoppers. They they're very similar to grasshoppers, but uh, they do release some sort of communication and they'll swarm together, they feed together, they do everything together, they're very social. Grasshoppers, on the other hand, are not social beings, they're not social insects. They're more independent and so they don't do a lot of communicating back and forth. And I guess they, they, they're attracted to the bright lights of La, the Las Vegas Strip because out in the orchard where I'm at, some of the properties where I, I go, I don't see a lot of grasshoppers. Uh, but downtown where the tourists are, that's where they're going. So uh, anyway, keep it in mind, grasshoppers don't usually fly until they get in the last stages. And that's when they start growing wings and they can go quite a distance. But otherwise, they just jump. And uh, no real problem except that they do feed on uh, plants, leaves. They have mandibles, so they're going to chew on leaves and leave holes in, in leaves. I was out at a property recently uh, consulting, and uh, I noticed that uh, these are grape leaves, that the grape leaves were hit by skeletonizer leafhoppers, and also they were being chewed on, probably by grasshoppers. So they'll have that benefit as well. But usually the plants will come right back. The grasshoppers don't last for very long. And uh, they aren't going to be back probably next year as strong because, because they were, they were in, in mass this year due to the spring rains. The spring rains had a lot to do with uh, this year of, of getting the populations up and, and running. And you know when those uh, rains occur, there's a lot more plants to feed on, a lot more weeds are growing in open spaces, so there's a lot more things for them, for grasshoppers to feed on, and their populations increase you know, for that reason as well, the rain and, and also there's food present. But they're not locusts, they're not going to eat our crops too much anyway. Uh, you can put out baits, there are some baits available but the baits usually have to be on fairly early. They're, they're a, uh, it's a nosema a bacterium, uh, nosema locusti, and it's uh, impregnated on bran flakes, something that the grasshoppers might eat. But in order to get any kind of control at all, you've got to start real early. You've got to anticipate that it's going to be a pretty big year for locusts or grasshoppers. And so you've got to get the bait out ahead of time. Otherwise, it doesn't do you much good. You can spot spray, but 
uh, you know, at what you're, you're going to have to weigh the weigh whether it's it's important for you to to uh, spray with a, a chemical, a pesticide, or not uh, to get any kind of control at all. They're fairly easy to control with poisons with insecticides. You just got to hit them. Soap and water will do it too, and it'll drown them. But you've got to, like any soap and water, they've got to hit them directly on it. But that's our big news. Grasshoppers, locusts, not, but grasshoppers. You know, another possibility is, um, is if you are in a backyard gardener, is to have some, uh, I wouldn't recommend chickens, but you could have ducks or guinea fowl that uh, could pick them off for you. And they like to chase them down and get them, and they're pretty good at it. Chickens they they do do so much damage and they dig and they 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 peck at new plants and and whereas ducks and guinea fowl aren't as damaging so they're easier to have around and a little bit more um, friendlier to the to the gardener uh, this year I had swarms of huge wasps flying around my yard I followed them and found that they are they dig pretty big holes in the ground. How do I get rid of them? They look pretty scary. Well, uh, we also had a a bloom, if you want to call it that, of uh, cicadas this year. So this really, it was a wasp, but it was a non-human threatening kind of a wasp. Big, big things. <clears throat> they'll, they'll, uh, they're, they are pretty scary. There, but they, they are a wasp, and they're after the cicadas. So the cicadas came out. They started making their noise to attract the opposite sex, and that noise is also a location device for the cicada wasps. The cicada wasps then emerge from the ground. They find, uh, and it, well, again, it has to do with our spring rain. We had all that spring rain earlier in the season, and even had a little bit of snow. But with that moisture, uh, it created a lot more insect problems for us. A lot of it, it increased the insect population as well as some of the diseases we had pop up as well. Some of the grape and, uh, and fruit tree um, <clears throat> diseases. But anyway, with the cicada wasp, they only last about uh, 60 days, 60, 75 days, and they're gone. So you can treat them for them if you want insecticides, but it's not really that necessary. They're, they're not as scary as they look. They look very intimidating because they're so big and they are a wasp, but they're very docile. You can, you can pick them up with your hands. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can pick them up with your hands, handle them as long as you don't squeeze them or threaten them in some way. In other words, grab them by accident or do something that might cause them to think that you're a problem, they'll leave you alone. They've got a large stinger on the backside. I've been told that the uh, stinger is not, is not, um, is, isn't as bad as it looks, but I, I don't know. That's a pretty intimidating looking stinger on the back end of that wasp. So anyway, that wasp goes ahead and it finds the cicada, echolocates it, I don't know if that's the right term, but finds that uh, cicada, 
tracks it down, and then that female, and this is the female is the one that takes up the cicada. The males are just there for mating purposes. The female comes in, she's large, and she can then stick that cicada. She'll track it down by hearing it. When that cicada hears, sees her coming, it'll stop. It's a little too late, pretty good vision. She narrows in on the cicada, stings it, paralyzes it, keeps it alive, and then picks it up on the underside of, its, of her belly and hauls it. And this is a pretty good feat because this cicada is pretty large. She hauls it back to the burrow that she created. Now that's an interesting, that's typically what we'll, we'll see. We'll see the burrows or them burrowing into soft soil, especially where it's irrigated or you've dug a trench. Those female wasps will go in and start excavating a hole about the size of a quarter. And they'll go down inside the hole and push the soil outside the hole and they'll make kind of a kind of a a mine out of it and then fly off look for that cicada sting it paralyze it then heave it back to that hole bury that hole and they'll she'll go ahead and leave uh, some eggs to feed on that cicada that's paralyzed she'll bear, bury that cell bury that cicada along with her egg that egg will go ahead and hatch and start feeding on that that cicada. And what's interesting is there's an, there's another insect too that feeds on actually the the pupa of the female uh, cicada wasp killer. And that's the red velvet ant uh, uh, wasp as well. And that'll parasitize. The <laughs> it's uh, you think Game of Thrones is. Uh, is something to watch. I'll tell you, there's a lot more interesting stuff going around right outside your windows. But anyway, so that red velvet wasp ant, ant wasp will go ahead and parasitize the cicada killer wasp pupa when it comes out. But anyway, that's, a, that's another long story. But anyway, it goes ahead and um, the, the, the male is much smaller than the female because that, fall, that female needs its size to be able to haul that cicada back to its nest. So it predigs that hole, leaves that hole in there. Usually, we'll see it in the orchard. Um, there were a lot of them there. Usually where there were some trenches dug, moist soil, and some place where that female could get in fairly easily and dig. So she'll pick some spot that's fairly easy to dig, excavate out, leave that hole, that pit down, bring that cicada back in, leave a, an egg with it, and uh, bury it and that's the food source like i said they last about 60 75 days something like that and they're gone so they're not long lived uh, when i first see saw them i was a little concerned because it was a wasp what it might do to the honeybees in the area especially the hives but uh, these are not these are not uh, uh, they they don't attack humans they don't attack animals they they're very docile. They don't they don't go looking for honeybees. They don't attack the hives. They're they're solitary insects. They're not social insects like a lot of the wasps are social. They'll make all those they'll they'll live in colonies together. These guys aren't. They're very solitary and very short lived. And once they're there, they're gone. But interesting thing to see going out, and a lot of that because of the 
rain that we had in the spring coming out. The cicadas coming out in abundance as well as the cicada wasp killer, the cicada killer wasp. So that was out there this, uh, uh, not too long ago, a couple months, over the last couple months. And the last question is about two years ago, I planted a fruit salad tree that had three varieties of peaches. I was stunned to find them ripening at the end of July, and I could have harvested them this week and enjoy them. Most of them look fine, but quite a few are rotten, brown, and look like those in the photos that they sent to me. Any suggestions you have would be deeply appreciated. Well, it's like she said, uh, she sent photos of them. The peaches were small. That's a thinning issue more than anything else. It's also a variety issue. When peaches are small, there are some that are more vigorous, that's, that funnel a lot more nutrients into the peaches and make larger fruit. And also the thinning early in the season helps to make the fruit that stay there, that remain on the tree larger. So it's a combination of both. Uh, also the type of rootstock that you're using. You know, typically we like to see citation being used in the desert on peaches and uh, other some of the other trees that will handle citation rootstock. But um, when you're talking about fruit salad trees, these are typically trees that are, are budded. Uh, it's a single trunk and it has several different kinds of buds grafted in to the tree giving you different kinds of fruit. Uh, a better approach is probably not using a fruit salad tree because what happens with fruit salad trees is that the after a couple of years one or more of the varieties that were grafted on usually get forced out and you end up with a two or maybe even a one type of fruit tree rather than the fruit salad tree that you started with. You're better off planting uh, fruit trees it separately, but maybe even in the same hole. In other words, if you have, uh, like this one was an early, mid, and a late peach, if it was grafted on the tree, instead of grafting it, buy three separate trees, one that produces fairly early, one that's a mid-season peach, one that's a late-season peach, and just plant them very close to each other, maybe 18 inches apart. And this is going to work for you much much better than buying a a fruit salad tree that has all of those different kinds of fruit grafted in or, uh, or butted in uh, ahead of time. Uh, plant them independently, plant them separately, 18 inches apart. Like I said, it doesn't matter uh, when they produce which side they're facing, but if you happen to know if the tree, if the variety is a vigorous variety or not, put that one on the north side. So anything that you know that is pretty aggressive, put it into an area where it will not receive as much sunlight energy as the other sides. Those that are weaker or slower, put those on closer to the south and west sides of that planting hole uh, rather than, than using an already vigorous variety and putting it in that location. So do a little bit of research on the varieties that you're picking, the early, mid, and late peaches. 
just and orient them, find out, get them all on the same rootstock. Hopefully your nursery will have a tag on them telling you what the rootstock is. Again, like I said, citation is a good one for the desert. It keeps them relatively small. And then all you have to do when you have the fruit salad tree, whether it's budded together or whether it's growing separately, is you just have to keep those varieties separate from each other. And don't let them infringe on each other. So if you buy a fruit tree that has a mixture of different kinds of fruit in it, fruit salad trees, then prune it so that you maintain separation of those different varieties from each other and you'll have much better luck. But the problem, like I said, is that the vigorous varieties will start to dominate those. And if you don't keep them pruned, if you don't keep them trimmed back and um, get pretty aggressive in your pruning, you're, you're going to have one or more of them drowned out, lost in a few years just because of the domination of the more aggressive types. So keep that in mind when you're when you're buying fruit trees as well and if you want to get a fruit salad tree then look at multiple trees planted in a single hole uh, rather than uh, a tree that has multi-budded fruit types onto it. I, I hear the music, it's time to go. So I hope that answered some of the questions that are out there. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Learn more about desert horticulture by signing up for my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, Extreme Horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on Eventbrite if you're in the Las Vegas area. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite.